Therapy with My Mom is an educational podcast meant to entertain and provide individual perspectives to our listeners. This podcast is in no way a substitute for professional counseling. If you are in need of mental health services, please reach out to a professional in your area. This podcast may also cover sensitive topics or involve triggering words about death, loss, and trauma. Please use your own discretion when listening to this podcast and consider whether the topic being discussed is something you are ready to fully explore. Welcome to Therapy with My Mom, a podcast hosted by a mother and son who love each other very much. Aw, hi, I'm Julie Barkowskis. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, a certified addictions counselor, as well as a somatic experiencing practitioner. I've been providing therapy on an outpatient basis in my private practice for over 20 years. I'm Ryan Barkowskis, her son and a millennial that was graced with having two parents who are both social workers. This podcast is here to educate our listeners on the various aspects surrounding mental health. Our guests will include individuals who are going to share personal stories on mental health struggles, as well as professionals who can shed light on the array of therapeutic approaches. We hope you enjoy the journey with us. Welcome to our show. Well, Ryan, I want oh, you to meet our new guest, uh, Valerie Maddie here. Uh, she, I met her through uh, some somatic experiencing training and mm-hmm. just really discovered uh, what a warm, wonderful person she is. And I've been just so impressed with uh, her clinical skills as well as her knowledge because she has a PhD in art therapy. Wow. And yeah, I don't know too many people like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty impressed with that. But she's got all kinds of knowledge and all kinds of background. And um, so I, I'm just going to ask Valerie to kind of jump in here and tell us a little bit more about herself and uh, her education and let the listeners know a little bit more about her. Amazing. Hi. Hi, Valerie. Hi, Ryan and Julie. Thank you so much for having me uh, this morning. Um, I'm pleased to be here. So as Julie mentioned, I'm Val Maddie. Everybody calls me Val. And I, uh, my background includes the doctorate uh, in art therapy, but I also have a master's in uh, clinical psychology uh, with a specialty in art therapy and also addictions. Uh, mm-hmm. So that really informs me educationally. Uh, I am in practice long-term. It'll be 12 years this year at Labyrinth Counseling and Consulting Center. Uh, that's located in Naperville, Illinois. And we're a small group practice, and we specialize there in treating trauma. And then also uh, one of the practices in the area, probably one of the main practices in the area that specializes in experiential therapies. And so those include our therapy that we're talking about today, uh, play therapy, uh, guided imagery, soul collage, the list goes on. So that's, that's a little bit about me. Uh, as far as my uh, credentials, I am a licensed clinical professional counselor and a certified addiction, alcohol and a, uh, drug uh, counselor in Illinois, as well as a registered and board certified art therapist, registered play therapist, and a somatic experiencing practitioner. So all wow. of that training mm-hmm. really yeah. informs my work today. Mm-hmm. That's so impressive. Yeah. Looking you up, this is the most credentials I have seen attached <laughs> to someone's name. 
So yeah, I actually is... <laughs> have to leave a lot, Brian, <laughs> because it gets, you know, people yeah. get a little bit too yeah. overwhelmed, you know, with all that. And, you know, they're there uh, for my background to show, show my training. However, as we know in therapy, that's not the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Most important yeah. thing is if you're able to build rapport and mm-hmm. if you're able to create a safe place for yeah. others to come and share and work on, you know, what they came to work on. So that's yeah. the most important thing. Could you explain what two of these are that I have not seen before? So we, we've we talked to somatic experiencers. My mom is one, you know, licensed clinical professional counselor. Is the art therapy the ATRBC? Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. What does that stand for? Well, the first part is registered. They put the R at the end. So it's a registered mm-hmm. art therapist. Mm-hmm. And then because I took in British an, Columbia, um, <laughs> some people have thought that as a matter of yeah. fact, or BC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The BC is because I uh, passed the national certification exam. So mm-hmm. I have the higher credential of being board certified. Board I system. think she's a very smart lady. Don't you think, Ryan? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. more evidence by already how she's speaking of these subjects and and not even trying to focus on her credentials it's more about no 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 (laughs) it's all about her heart yeah and then what was the dat that is my doctorate that's your doctorate okay doctorate in art therapy Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yes learning something even on the credential side of this Mm -hmm. we like to be informed yeah and so you're we're working with this practice now um and are you typically doing talk therapy with art therapy? Uh, I'm I'm very curious how much art therapy in, is involved with your work and kind of how that might blend with the traditional types of therapy that we might already know about. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you know, I am trained as a talk therapist as well. And so we offer talk therapy at Labyrinth as well. And I like to say that it's a blending of all of this. So I'd like to share, you know, uh, that, you know, like an example, right? So to your, to your question, you know, it's, it's about, you know, talking to them about getting the materials ready, talking to them about inviting them to, um, to an uh, experiential. So giving them a directive, in other Mm -hmm. words, invitation that will help them uh, in their art making process. And then they have creation time, And then we go back to their sharing their story about their art. So again, there's that talking in uh, exchange of ideas and their feelings and their thoughts about their image that has appeared Mm -hmm. on or that they have created in 3D before me. And and so there's a processing uh, that takes place there that involves obviously talking. So it's really dependent. Um, Most people who come to Labyrinth are looking for uh, the experiential therapies, right, that we offer. So Mm -hmm. they, they may or may not desire talk therapy, but it's always infused in some way in, Mm -hmm. in your time with them. I'm primarily today on telehealth. And so uh, they just use their own materials that they have available in their own home. And I'm usually working, um, sometimes I work alongside them and sometimes I don't. It really depends on what we're working on. Hmm. Makes sense. So when you're working in, in the play therapy or art therapy realm, 
Uh, do you do any work uh, where you're incorporating uh, also like the somatic experiencing piece? I mean, are, are you doing a lot of, when you talk about blending, uh, we, we find that more and more repair on trauma involves like a little bit of everything, correct? In terms of like understanding that? You know, um, I'd like to say that there's, we have all of these tools or I have these tools in my toolbox, right? And uh, the uh, modalities that are available to me when clients start with me, you know, they, they know a little bit about that. And then we see what works for them. So to answer your question specifically, I have a lot of clients that use both art therapy and somatic experiencing. So example of that would be something like this. I have, um, someone can, um, express to me through their art, right? Maybe this theme of feeling proud. And so once they see that and, and actually have that thought uh, in their story about their art, then I asked them to sense where they might feel that in their body. And they might say, you know, any different part, right? But mm -hmm. for example, the spine, and they, they might say, well, I feel like I'm standing tall. And so I'll say, Let, let's, Let's go ahead to, to the body and let's just kind of take that in. Just kind of notice. We use notice a lot in SE terminology, mm -hmm. right? Notice that in your body and what, what's it like? And so they'll say, well, this is great, you know? And why do we do that? Well, I'm fortunate, right? Because I know both modalities. So what we know when, we, when we're able to anchor it and experience in the body, we sense it in the present moment. And if we can sense it in the present moment, that means that it's possible for us again. Right. And so we're not only about thoughts, right? We're about sensations. We're about feelings in the body. We're the whole body, right? And so when we can sense that in, in the body, it's more of a whole person sensation or experience mm -hmm. that then we can't forget because mm -hmm. we can then do it again. So if we have an instance where a client, um, you know, notices that now, then they can notice that as the days go on. So somebody mm -hmm. who might be depressed and, who's barely holding on to hope they might share with me if they can experience pride and then they have more moments of that. Imagine what that does to somebody who's depressed or experiencing depressive symptoms. Uh, it changes their life. It changes mm -hmm. their life in that moment. And so that's what we hope to do there. So I have a lot of clients who are able to do that now because they're incorporating both of the modal modalities, right? Because mm -hmm. it's, you can talk about it, but when you experience in the body, as we know, it's definitely more healing and it's definitely more of an experience mm -hmm. than yeah. just talking about it. Yes, definitely. So one of the things I'm aware of is just the idea around that trauma is healed because we integrate all aspects of our our being. And how we do that is through, like you said, through our sensations, through our emotions, through our um, awareness or our behaviors. And so there's, like you said, it isn't just one one path. It's many paths that help us incorporate and repair trauma. But we're not just talking about trauma, we're talking about, like you said, anxiety, depression. Um, and uh, I was just kind of curious when you're working with clients, is there some approaches that you wouldn't use with certain clients around certain subject matters or uh, based on age groups? Uh, what, what, it, what do you come across there? Because this is a very fascinating subject to me that I have very limited knowledge about. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I would share is that 
uh, our education and training in our therapy teaches us certain things about the use of materials. So our education around that, uh, especially um, ones that can regress, um, ones that, um, so for example, clay uh, has a tactile, right? And so we can knead it, we can pound it, we can really shape it into many different things. And so it's regressive in the sense that it can take a person back to experience a traumatic event that occurred in their life, right? And they can make some changes. They can actually tell their story through the piece that they create. And so it's a nonverbal way, a tactile way, right? A sensory motor way to really become um, informed of the event and then work your way through it. Uh, so what I like to say is people can shape that clay, right? They can create, they can um, destroy, they can recreate. And so we have to be very careful if someone's not ready for that, or if we put the clay too quickly in front of them, then it may set them back. Uh, to a place where they may not want to use art. Um, in the same way, if you have someone, and this is not true for everybody, let me say that, but if you have somebody who doesn't have the motor skills to use clay or somebody that doesn't have the motor skills to use a pencil, it can be very frustrating for someone. So this is why materials are very, very important. And some of the examples that I'll give you is you know, for using pencils, colored pencils, regular pencils, markers, you know, people who are looking for control or in need of control, those are the materials that you want to offer them as an art therapist. If they are looking for freedom or they are experiencing freedom, you might offer them watercolor, right? Which is more of a fluid material. Yeah. And then for those who might be angry, you know, and that's not everybody, but um, you know, they even a child, right? Play-Doh, model magic, clay is all very good for them because they can pound and get out their emotions without hurting themselves mm -hmm. or someone else. So those those materials, that understanding of materials, and the list goes on, right, is very, very important because you don't want to set someone back. It's the same way that I look at um you know, if you're working with EMDR with a client, right? And they're not ready. Mm -hmm. right. You have an ethical responsibility, right? To, to educate them and say, okay, EMDR requires, you know, the ability to be able to manage emotions, right? And be able to mm -hmm. have a container, a safe container. And until we're there, let's maybe utilize this modality, until you're ready to do that. So we're not taking it off the table, but we're giving them some other opportunities. And art therapy is, is one of the ways that you can do that. But you also have to have this background, I believe, um, to, to understand. Otherwise, again, people want to come and they want to move forward. So the first art therapy experiential that I do with almost every client is to create a safe place because you need that in order mm -hmm. to be able to move forward and explore other things. Very similar in SE, right? We don't go to what we call the big T, the big trauma. We do safety. We mm -hmm. do rapport. We do resourcing. Otherwise, they won't be ready for the other other steps that we need. We want to offer them. Yeah. Yeah, we've made that point many a time. And it's, it's so good to reinforce it. Nothing happens without safety.
man, it's, yeah. you know, the fact that, you know, the different mediums and, and pieces that you're using in your art, you know, have these different associations. It, it makes so much sense. And I, I could, I could maybe assume, yeah, oh yeah, I want to get out some aggression and some, some clay and some Play-Doh, but watercolors does make me feel more free. Like I like how many mm-hmm. options you have with it and knowing what's going to mm-hmm. be best for your client. Yeah. Lots of different mediums to express your emotions. So mm-hmm. Do you ever have um, moments in which your patient might become frustrated with their work? I I could almost see myself, you know, if I've come to the point where I'm pursuing this, right? Like they're coming to Labyrinth, they're coming to you because this like, you know, are you calling it experiential or experimental? I I guess that that one word I'm caught on. Art art therapy is an experiential modality in Mm -hmm. nature. Um, But what some of the terms that we use is that we say, you know, we invite them with a art therapy directive um, mm-hmm. and or what they're doing might be considered an art therapy experiential. <laughs> so it can, gotcha. it can be a little bit confusing. So I hope that helps. Gotcha. But yeah, if I've made this choice, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to give this a try. I still might get halfway through my painting before I'm like, this is not what I wanted. This was not what I set out to paint. And then I'll become frustrated. Mm-hmm. What, you know, how do you offer guidance to your patient in those moments? And that does happen, Ryan. Very good question. So a couple of things, and I think I want to preface it by saying it really depends on where the client is in their stage of work with you. Mm-hmm. So for example, if somebody has been with me for a little while and that happens for them, I encourage them to see if they can make it work. In other mm-hmm. words, they've crumpled up a piece of paper uh, or something like that, I- I'll encourage them to see if they can, you know, open that up and add to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, or I might say, okay, what's happening now? What's happening now for you? And then it ends up being their processing of what that is. And sometimes they go back after sharing their feelings and thoughts about it, they'll go back and they'll make it into something else, or they'll just set it aside and they'll start something else. And that's totally allowed, right? It's their process. But we talk about it. We talk, okay, what just happened there? And they might say, well, yeah. I got frustrated. And then I'll say, well, you know, what what didn't you like about it? Well, I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't like this, that or the other. And I say, okay, can you um can you make the changes that you want to make on 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 the paper? Well, mm-hmm. no, they might say, you know, it's kind of all crumpled up, it's in the trash. And I say, mm-hmm. well. You're free to get it out of the trash if you if you would like. Yeah. And if not, you know, take out a clean one and let's see. Because that's part of their process, yeah. right? We talk about it. I I usually don't um ignore something like that, you know. And if they're first starting out, I may um just notice it. And I just might say, well, do you need anything else? Is there anything that I can help you with? And that's because I'm still creating safety with them. Mm-hmm. And so I might not say too much. I might just um, notice that for myself, observe that. Might just say, do you need any materials or what? I mean, I might just say, what's happening? Do you need anything? You know, can I help you in any way if I'm working alongside them? And if they say no, I just let them do it. Because what will happen is later when they're finished, they'll go through the story of what happened. And then usually Mm -hmm. they open it up or they go to the trash or they say, well, you know, I don't want it. It's over there in the trash. 
you can get it out. And I'll, I'll say, well, it's your art, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, you're happy. You, you're welcome to take it with you when you go, because it's really important. And I want you to keep it because, you know, it's, it's part of what you created. And then they just decide, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, and we talk about frustration and then if they notice that and say more about that and they say, yeah, you know, that's a real issue for me. Then I say, okay, well, we've started today and we can continue working on that. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that work um, with frustration, with um, with frustration tolerance, right? All of that. So there's different um, materials that I would offer for that and different um, directives and invitations that I would give to them that would focus on that theme. That's awesome. Are there strong color associations as well that, you know, besides just the materials that you're kind of considering what colors you're offering them? Very good question. You know, I have a lot of colors available. I probably have too many. Uh, What I'd like to say in answer to that is that it's just really important that the client, that you have a variety available and you just allow the client to choose whatever combination they would like. In other words, I don't, um, limit them per se, unless it's someone that I feel will get very overwhelmed. And then I will limit, uh, again, that's part of my understanding of the materials too, right? So if you have anybody of any age who has trouble deciding or picking or, um, anything like that, and you're aware of it, then, then what I do is then I only put out a few choices and then I'll say, you know, I have others, please let me know if there's a color that you don't see that way. It's not overwhelming for them on the table, so to speak. And since I'm working on telehealth now, those who are working at home, they usually have a limited palette anyway, but if there's a color that they certainly want to have, they usually have it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's more of the meaning of the color for the client. Right. Yeah. It's valuable and important. And it's very important that I don't project my meanings or associations onto theirs. They might love black and I might not. And my opinion doesn't matter. So I have to Mm -hmm. be very, very clear within my own self, right? To be able to stay on and what the meaning is for them. Yeah. You know, you're talking a little bit about... um... Uh, working with ages and are there certain things that you see different or different ways that you approach um, various different age groups? Yes, uh, definitely different ways to approach them. And that's based to, based on their uh, skill set, right? And their age, developmental age at the time. So for example, you know, for children that I've worked with ages as young as three on up, I would say my, my youngest uh, client right now is four. And my oldest client is in their 80s. So someone who is, you know, two or three, they can express their feelings in a simple drawing. And they can have fun with it. I've had, you know, three-year-olds tell me stories about their artwork that then leads me to understand what's happening in their world. And then I can assist them, right, with coping skills and ways to to, um, help them. When you get to preschool, kindergarten, right? Elementary, right? We have symbols, shapes, Mm -hmm. Ah. right? Cognitive, you know, especially with elementary, right? They have, they're managing uh, a lot of their emotions 
embarrassment, you know, anger, happiness, lots of different things. And so depending on the age, I look at the materials and see what would be good for them. Younger children usually use, they love the markers, right? Model magic. They are often not using pencils, but some do use, they use the colored pencils, right? And they love paint, especially fingerprints as you're younger. And then as you get, you know, older, elementary uh, kids, older, you know, seven, eight, nine, you know, they're making 3D sculptures with me. uh, we, We live in the world of 3D, you know, they, they might be making something, you know, related to a video game that they're having trouble with managing or, um, I had, um, uh, puppets have been made. I've had life-size figures made by eight to 10 year olds. So just, and then as you get older, um, a lot of people are using colored pencils. Once again, a lot of collage, uh, a lot of paintings. And I have, like I said before, um, a lot of people, a lot of adults working in 3d. So I have found objects at home or in nature People are creating all all types of things related to their life uh, and what they have on hand. So I really uh, never know. But one thing about 3D, right, with a with a one dimensional, right, you only have that one way of kind of mm-hmm. looking. With 3D um, objects, you can turn it around, spin it, look at it all from yeah. different angles, and it's a way of kind of looking at your life um, in yeah. 3D. So it's it's really wonderful to see that. Yeah, as well. you're like, yeah, well, you started or focused on this section more. How interesting that you ignored the top end, but you really worked on the base. Like, yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of then variety to explore with the 3D model. My next question is a very important one, and that is, <laughs> uh, it, it is with, a very important with, one with its extreme importance, and that is why, why art therapy why is this for you the you know it's still a combination of modalities like we've mentioned but why why is this something that you are getting into and and are offering Mm -hmm. very important question it is I would say that it's been really um, a journey to to get here and um, what I would share is that for me it's it's not only so helpful and so useful and so healing for individuals. It's part of who I am. I'm I'm a practicing art therapist, but I'm also an artist. It combines um, my top passions in life, which include making art, being creative, also uh, working with people, and then also uh, this experiential, right? This expressive way of healing. Because I find that even though I'm trained in talk therapy and and I believe in it wholeheartedly, when I combine uh, the experiences and the training that I have, I'm seeing people heal in a way that I have never seen before. And they are going to moving towards healing faster, more holistically, and in a way that is um, not reliant on the verbal as much. So they can do it in a way that gives them the distance that they need, especially with our therapy, right? When you're working on your art, you have distance and you're working in an unconscious um, way. Mm-hmm. 
in a nonverbal way that is very safe. And so it gives you the distance that you need to create the safety that you need to trust. And when that is possible, healing is further possible. And that's why I do what I do. Uh, it's it's just it's just been amazing to see, you know, what happens uh, for people, and the combination that I that I have of all of these expressive modalities is pretty much where I live, um, kind of in my own life, right? So I like to share this, you know, what I have, and I utilize art every day, and I encourage. Um, I also have a passion for the spiritual dimension and spiritual care. And art therapy is my doctorate focus. And what I've learned over time is that we create meaning, right? We we know this, right? We create meaning in our spiritual dimension of, of our lives, of our body, right? And if we don't tap into that, how can we access meaning? And so utilizing art therapy helps me to enter that creative zone with them, touch into the spiritual dimension and give them a way to care for themselves in a way that wasn't maybe possible for them before. Mm -hmm. Do you think many of your clients then continue uh, creating art after, you know, working with you and they, this is just something that they do for themselves? I have some that have been creating art before they came to see me. Many that continue uh, that I hear from, right? We don't always hear from our clients um, after their work is done with us. But some clients have um, shared that they have continued, you know, or that they will continue. So whether they're working with an art therapist or not, everybody has their own way of being creative, whether that's walking outside or whether that's listening to music. And so I encourage that for them. And I believe every one of my clients are still doing that. You know, I'm wondering about this in a very different way, but do you ever run into any problems with insurance about this in terms of doing art mm. therapy with uh, with your clients? No. Uh, it is important to say, though, that I am in private practice. And so t t under, under Illinois licensing law, right, under my LCPC that I hold, what happens is I'm able to bill through uh, my art therapy services, my clinical art services mm -hmm. under that credential. So that's really important. If I didn't have the LCPC in Illinois, then I could still use the art therapy. In other words, I could still provide art therapy, but not in private practice. So it's mm -hmm. very important to understand the importance of credentials. Um, I'm also licensed in Kentucky, where I am a, they have a individual license for art therapy, and I am a licensed professional art therapist in Kentucky, where they have split the licenses. So you're a licensed professional clinical counselor in Kentucky, and then you hold the LPAT as well. So in other words, it's under the LCPC license that I'm able to do my art therapy in private practice, and mm -hmm. also under my ATRBC, right? And mm -hmm. here, in, um, and, and then in Kentucky, I have the LPAT, which allows me to offer art therapy as well. Mm -hmm. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to cover here, Ryan, that we haven't asked? Or Valerie, is there some things that you want to share with us that we haven't uh, approached yet? I would just share that, you know, uh, art therapy is offered in person at Labyrinth mm -hmm. and via telehealth. 
as well. So that's really important for people to know. Also, Labyrinth is one of the training sites for somatic experiencing, one of the original training sites for somatic experiencing. So, And also, we, um, one of my colleagues offers EMDR consultation as well. Um, many of my colleagues are um, have been trained um, to provide somatic experiencing um, consultation hours as well. And so we do have a website, um, www.labyrinthcounseling.com. And so anybody could go there and see the different um, modalities that we offer and more about our practice. I'm so impressed every time that there are so many modalities and so many options available to us. And it is so important to know that, yeah, not only is something like this available in person, but with the access of telehealth that you could explore this in, you know, the safety of your home, if this is something you need instead. Um, and also the fact that like, yeah, maybe art therapy is exactly what you need. Maybe it's, it's another, you know, modality or discipline that we've talked about before it is offered at labyrinth or wherever this person needs, you know, it's, it's so great to see trauma and, you know, the work that we do with people approach through all these different mm -hmm. lens, knowing that, you know, it's all informed by so much. And, and the fact that you have experience and expertise in so many of these different, these different lanes, you know, I'm sure makes you an amazing practitioner. Well, thank you. Um, you're, your statement there just prompted one last thing that I would share too, is that when, when there is a traumatic event or a trauma has incurred, sometimes words are not easy to be found. And so one of the great benefits of our therapy is that no words are needed unless yeah. the client chooses, right? So what happens uh, when the images of trauma are held in the body and the brain, right? So what happens is when they are released unconsciously onto the paper or onto the artwork, then it's often true that the words then flow from that. And so then the words come and the narrative comes um, or, or not, right? But if they do come, then he healing, you know, you can move forward there because then you could start to identify the feelings and the thoughts and the behaviors and make sense and make meaning and understanding and gain insights from the art that will help mm -hmm. you then make the changes that you want to make. Mm -hmm. So sometimes those, those words coming, it's a springboard to the words. Also, even if words don't come, I've worked with many clients over the years where they, they haven't really spoken, but they've seen the art. And once you see the art, you can't unsee it. In other words, you can leave the office, you can leave the Zoom mm -hmm. telephone, mm -hmm. and you're wondering about your art. It might end up on your fridge. You might end up journeying with it. You might create more pieces on your own that go along with it and come back to process it at a later date. So meaning is made from it. Also, if you're not comfortable, you might not talk about it, right, at first or ever. <laughs> mm -hmm. But your client, my clients might say over time, you know, you remember when I did that, like three months ago or four months ago, I really didn't want, I, I really wasn't comfortable sharing it, but now I am. 
Mm -hmm. And so here's what I learned from it, right? So there's still insights gained from it. And if they do art long enough, especially in session, you can see the change visually in their art over time. Yeah. Yeah, that's a real awesome opportunity to see how it's changing and evolving too. So that's really cool. So are there any additional resources or um, literature out there that you would suggest, uh, whether it be a professional or um, mm -hmm. individuals who are trying to work on their own needs to kind of express themselves? Uh, yeah. What would you suggest uh, for our listeners? Probably Bob Ross, right? Probably anyone can paint. <laughs> Well, you know, maybe maybe to learn about materials <laughs> a little yes. and painting and fun, you know, mm. for us. Um, professionally, I would recommend the um, American Art Therapy Association, which is at arttherapy.org. Uh, in Illinois, it's uh, the IllinoisArtTherapy.org. Uh, I already mentioned Labyrinth Counseling, right, which has, we have four art therapists uh, in practice at Labyrinth. And there's other local art therapists too. So the best way, you know, if you are looking for, find a credentialed art therapist, right? So you can go and the American Art Therapy Association has the directory and that's a good place to start. You can also search on psychology today. A lot of clinicians have their um, bio there, their brief bio mm -hmm. that shows their background and their credentials. But the American Art Therapy Association is probably the best place to start for a local. And, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's registered or board certified, they, they they are both listed there. So you can find that there. And that's a good place to start. And also word of mouth, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're pretty well known at Labyrinth uh, for, you know, the modalities that we work in. And so are the other practices, right? So mm -hmm. you just go and you look up, it's just like SE, you know, the somatic experiencing, right? Uh, directory as well. You go there mm -hmm. and you look, and that's a good place to start with the professional organization. And then word of mouth as to who you might know, um, who has experienced maybe our therapy or is getting help. There's a lot of us, you know, just like there's mm -hmm. a lot of SE um, practitioners as well. Well, I happen to know at one point that you did some kind of art therapy um, group uh, where you had some expressive art uh, are there a lot of expressive art therapy groups out there or are we, are they pretty limited? You know, um, some practices um, offer the groups. Mm -hmm. I, um, I pretty much have offered the groups in the community, Julie. So mm -hmm. not at Labyrinth uh, per se. However, a lot of people probably still are as they came out of COVID, um, you know, maybe they have resurfaced and are back um, in place. I don't know of any per se in the Naperville area running. I'm, I am thinking of starting one via telehealth this year, uh, but that's just in the works uh, right now. I've done a lot of community um, volunteer and mm -hmm. then of course my doctorate, um, my um, my research was based in a group format in the community. So, you know, there are different centers, right? Spirituality centers mm -hmm. offered um, different opportunities for groups. And then also for those who um, would like to just experience it, uh, experience the modality and learn a little bit more of it. So, but there is a great need because there's a lot of people that are just interested, right, in mm -hmm. general. 
And then there's a lot of people just wanting to experience it. And because it's expressive um, modality, that's what's needed, right? You need to have an experience. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to experience it for yourself because each person gets something different out of it. So, and it, like you mentioned before, I forget who did, but um, you know, it's not for everybody. So some mm-hmm. people, um, they're, they're not interested in that and that's fine. That's fine. And they might not be interested in the get-go and then at the beginning, and then you might mention it and then they might give it a try. And then as they learn more about it, then they might request it more in therapy. So that's just kind of how it goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can think about like some people just going, I don't, I don't draw, I can't draw, therefore I'm mm-hmm. not comfortable doing this because I, I'm already um, critical of myself and how I'm, what I'm putting on the paper. Yeah. So, so that could be a, a, you know, deterrent right there. So, yeah. Right. And that's, that's why I always, you know, I always clarify that no artistic, no specific artistic, um, skills are needed because mm-hmm. they might be overwhelmed, you know, by, or may feel um, sometimes judged or that in some way our therapy is about interpretation. And so there's an education component as well in the beginning where I always share that. And I say, this is, this is for you. I'm alongside you and I'll help you process it. Right. However, my, my task is not to judge it, interpret it, or to make mm-hmm. them for it. And then usually people are like, Oh, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. They can settle, right, they right. can settle into it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. knowing that there isn't much expertise needed is perfect for me. That's just, <laughs> that makes me feel very comfortable knowing I don't need to be a good artist. <laughs> yes. You could do it, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you for believing in me. <laughs> You're welcome. So I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Uh, me. Uh, the different. Who are you types to? of uh, you, Ryan. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, out of the different types of art that she uh, expressive arts, mm-hmm. uh, what drew your attention? What were you most interested in when she was talking about the different ones? I think I enjoy a tactile medium such as clay. Um, that's something that you, being uh, my mother and father, introduced to. I'm your mother us. and father. <laughs> You, you, you is you being a plural pronoun, uh, okay. you guys, um, like kind of let us play around with. We painted ceramics and then we also, um, made clay figurines that we then would paint. And so it's something that I enjoyed. And I ended up taking a, um, clay or ceramics class in college. And mm-hmm. it was something I, I gave myself a very ambitious project for my final. Something I had to go in and like spend almost an additional eight to 10 hours doing outside of class. But it was pretty therapeutic to just listen to my music and then just get to work. Like I I very much enjoy the process of working with my hands while I'm in my space. And uh, I think I enjoy the 3D physical motion of it all. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm a I'm a very fortunate recipient of one of your great works of art out of mm-hmm. clay. What about so. you? Is there a uh, is there a medium that you feel connected and drawn to, Mom? Oh, me? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes, uh... you, Mom. Mom, you. 
Well, I thought you were going to ask Val. I mean, poor Val was going to be part of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Bell's giving two thumbs up over here yeah. saying it's okay <laughs> uh, no uh, I would just say that I like anything that I can make that's working with my hands mm -hmm. and um, I probably yeah I would definitely say it's one of those creative processes I that I I could take like any medium and start to create I'm pretty eclectic as long as I can do something yeah. with my hands so. Yeah, I don't know if Valerie knows this, and I don't think we've really talked about this on the podcast. Besides my mother's gift at making floral arrangements, you know, that's <laughs> that's one version of it. She um, I don't know how much you do this now. Like fairy gardens is something you'd set these little scenes with figurines. <laughs> I, I, I'm just I, I go into all kinds of things that I make yeah. and. Yeah, so I, it just sometimes depends. it takes on that that size and shape, and sometimes it could just be something else. But yeah, I, those are always yeah. really really cool and, and fun to look at. Yeah, you know, I appreciate the fact that you guys appreciate some of the stuff that I made. Some of it, I'm sure you're mm -hmm. like, oh, that's okay. Well, some <laughs> so... of it's trash. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but Valerie, do you have a certain when you talk about being an artist? Is there certain types of uh, uh, expression of art for you that that you feel most passionate about? Yes, but first, let me say something about those fairy gardens. I'm very interested about them because <laughs> of my play therapy background. And I just encourage you to kind of take a look at those setups if, yeah. you, still, if you still do it and see what insights you glean um, yeah. just from their, their mm -hmm. uh, you know, relationship to one another. Mm -hmm. So to share more about my own modalities, I would say um, watercolor is is number one. And I'm known for landscapes, just all kinds mm -hmm. of different landscapes. I'm also a photographer. So all types of years, I'm um, known for just putting way too many photos on my iPhone, way too many. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this time of year, you know, the landscapes are beautiful out there, even with the ice, you know, so mm -hmm. yeah. Um, it's, it's really enjoyable for me. And I, I think um, when I have, you know, some stressful times too, I find that I'm always taking some photos that bring me back to whatever's happening in nature at that time or season. Mm -hmm. And then I end up using those photos that I save for different um, webinars or <laughs> different um, trainings that I do. They are already there in every season and then I have them. And so it's um, really, really good for me to have those. And then I don't have to look at any clip art, which I enjoy. Oh, yeah. Nice. And you own that. It's perfect. <laughs> you can use it for yourself. Correct. And yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in that same uh, vein of, you know, the art that works for you and these things that you come back to, um, this brings us to our final question of mantra. Is there words, a phrase that is something that you found yourself connecting to and maybe sharing with clients. Um, you know, it could be something that's just personal or something that you like to impart as, as wisdom. Um, but we're always really curious if there's something that is kind of like your, your scripture or something that you, you fall back on. Sure. Uh, you know, I would, I would say there's many, but probably one that's pretty consistent for me is that I just try to be a compassionate presence. Uh, for others. And I'm, I'm also a pastoral minister. So that helps me in that, you know, 
we could have all these modalities, like we started off saying, we could have all these credentials, but if we can't provide a listening presence and one that's filled with compassion, at least for me, um, I find that that's the most important thing. And then that allows me to hear so many stories, right? And journey with so many individuals um, towards where they want to go. And then I would say, secondly, that I just try to impart to every client, because you asked this, uh, what do I, what do I try to share with each of them is that, you know, let's try to be compassionate and kind to ourselves. And mm-hmm. I just try to remind them of that and in, encourage that because sometimes mm-hmm. what do we do, right? We're the hardest critics. We're the hardest on ourselves. So if I notice that, then I share that. And I, I just, as a reminder, and I also use myself as an example, right? By saying sometimes we can be hard on ourselves. And so let's start first with compassion towards ourselves, And then let's get back to the challenge that, mm-hmm. that you, you are here to, you know, work with on me, with me, I should say, work with, um, with me. And then we go from there. Uh, so I try to impart that as, as much as I can, even if that's not something that they feel like they could, um, that's tangible to them or that they can even touch or latch onto, mm-hmm. then we kind of right. go, you know, like, what do you need? And we start with that. Like, what yeah. do you need now? And what do you think would be helpful to you now? And then we go from there and, you know, some clients say, oh, I've never been asked that. I've just been told what to do. Mm-hmm. And so we start there. What do you need? And that seems to help them. And they, you know, maybe they have, have thought about it in the past, but they're so busy putting others first or other situations first that they don't take the time to look at it for themselves. Of course. That's very helpful. Yeah. The compassion. I, I try to sign off many of these podcasts by saying be good be good to others and be good to yourself because that is that's something i I Mm -hmm. remind myself Mm it's like yeah it starts with me i gotta put the oxygen mask on myself before i put it on on the person next to me Mm -hmm. yeah so i i really appreciate what you shared here and i'm going to ask now what we call a subject that has more to do with being playful mm-hmm. <laughs> since I, I think that's a value. Uh, that, yeah. Uh, and it's that still we, in line. We're doing yeah. play therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I have the um, honor of asking a question of our guest and it's mm-hmm. uh, I, I just try to make it fun or, or interesting too. Yeah. Uh, and this one's going to be out of maybe a little bit out of the fi- left field here, but it's if you were able to have an exotic animal, that you could have, and it doesn't matter. It, it could be like, it's going to be cared for. It's going to be all the care of it's going to be handled by whatever resource we have available. Mm-hmm. What would it be and why? Very good one. Very good one. I, I... <laughs> it's a unique one. Unquestioned. Have we considered exotic pets before? <laughs> you know, you actually, some exotic actually, I, actually I have. And so I'm just going to go with the one that just came. And so because you said <laughs> that all its needs would be cared for, right? At least. Mm-hmm. Why, yeah. We're not going to limit ourselves mm-hmm. here. We're not going to limit mm-hmm. ourselves. I think I would choose a macaw. And here's uh-huh. here's why. First of all, my, my mother who she passed years ago, but she had a macaw. Uh-huh. And, you know, they live a long, long time. And um, 
it's not it's not only because of that, but I but I learned a lot from her travels with with her her macaw. However, I have a um, macaw, you know, a fake one that I, that I that I bought an art piece that I bought when I was traveling. I believe I bought it in um, the Bahamas. An and, art piece, people. An art yeah, piece. An art piece. <laughs> and um, but a real one, I think, uh, would reflect the colors that I try to reflect in the client in my clients' lives. Uh, the, the the things that I'd like to share, right? It's always I love birds. I grew up with birds, um, mm. also large that have lived for years and years and years, and so. You know, to me, I think it it would reflect all the possibilities that are possible for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. As we grow and we learn and we make our way um, in in our healing of whatever it is that we came to treatment or therapy for and all of the different opportunities that e- exist in life. Nice. It's a good choice. I see, right. I see right. it in the McCall. <laughs> Brian, would you like to answer this question as well? I would love to. Thank you. I considered it and I almost went with a a type of exotic bird as well. But I was limiting myself there still and thinking what I could more practically care for. I think if I had the space available and the conditions of like raising this animal happen at the right time, it would be like a wolf. Like I would want you know, a beautiful wild animal that like considers me part of his pack. And, you know, Mm. we would just like protect our land together and and run around in the woods. Like that's, that sounds like, you know, a young adult novel, but something Mm. that. (laughs) (laughs) You have something to write now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Did I just come (laughs) up with werewolves? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you do know that Wolf is a has a history in my in my upbringing, yes. correct? Of yes. course, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm disclosing something to all the audience here. Mm-hmm. But when I was growing up, I had a nickname. I was called this probably since the age of two, and mm-hmm. I was called this until I was out of co- somewhat in college. I finally yeah. convinced my dad to stop calling me this, but my nickname was Woofy. Yeah. <laughs> And that's because you were raised by wolves from the age of two to <laughs> no. ten, right? Oh no, <laughs> no. But I always thought of that as a like a positive association to wolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you have an animal that you would choose as an exotic companion? Uh yes, mm-hmm. a dwarf elephant. Ooh, <laughs> oh, he's trying not to laugh. <laughs> That's adorable. Oh, she's clapping. She likes the answer. I, I, I don't want a big elephant. I want a dwarf elephant. <laughs> yes. Very manageable. It'd be so cute. Yeah. He'd try to run into you. You're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I I think there's I think they're adorable and they, yeah. you know, they're beautiful animals. Yeah. So, yeah. Good choice. <laughs> <laughs> So, Valerie, I'm curious that you were enjoying my answer. Was there a particular reason why you were enjoying my answer? I I, I liked both of your answers. Oh, and okay, okay. I, I invite each of you to consider how you are like both of those right now today. Mm-hmm. And then I was I was just chuckling because I was thinking of your um fairy fairy setups. 
how the dwarf <laughs> elephant might fit there. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you should see some of the stuff I've created. So, but yeah. I, ha- I do have elephants that my mother has given me. So I have mm-hmm. some connection to the elephant um, that my mom collected over over yeah. years. So we're going to have to throw a picture of your uh, of your artwork on the Instagram, mom. We're going to have to share. Oh, that with yeah. Well, there's some. Yeah, I, that might be a, a, a way for people to start analyzing me. <laughs> yeah. How interesting. Uh, Whoa. Tell us, how do you think Julie's week was Julie. considering this this piece that she just made? What is she well, dealing with right now? You know, some of my artwork is spiritual, too. So mm-hmm. so I, I appreciate where Valerie is coming from in terms of like meaning making or expressing um, yeah. my connectedness to things. So yeah. your artwork, too, Ryan, your artwork, my artwork. Too. My artwork is speaking and making jokes. I feel like that's my primary form form of uh form of art right there. Oh, okay. Okay, but I did talk about this one thing you made, so I might have yes. to post that. That's fine. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And if people are, <laughs> are really interested in that, look, you know, sales start at $150 a piece. <laughs> and you know, all proceeds go directly to us because hey, you know, we made uh, to it. cover <laughs> our cost for this podcast. Of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, at least we're honest about it. So, so you amazing. go ahead, son. I know you yes. have some amazing questions. You know, I have one ask. more segment here. You know, after we learn about the wonderful specific modality of art therapy, I like to wind us down with it's funny I say wind down with the segment titled Get Sight. And and this, I'm going to ask some rather basic psychology questions, right? We have amazing professionals that we speak to here. And I want to know, my mom's shaking her head. What are you doing? <laughs> You're referring to me as amazing. Valerie is shrugging. <laughs> but what we can agree that you guys have quite a bit of expertise. And, you know, these questions don't have the most complicated answers. So we're going to start with Valerie. Our first question for you is, what does psychodynamic theory help people to look at? Hmm. Do you have a multiple choice? I could come up with some, but these these are just fill in the blank. Well, thank you for your question, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Psychodynamic uh, theory, right? That was the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that that involves what's actively happening in in somebody's life, right? So psychodynamic has lots of properties related to it, but it means active, right? And that there's a process. And some of the theory around it is that we're trying to understand behaviors and we're trying to understand why individuals do what they do. And so to do that, we have to explain to them, you know, and understand more about what's going on in their life, what thoughts that they have that translate into those behaviors. Mm -hmm. So that is part of the foundation of psychodynamic theory. Yeah. And I'm sorry, the answer we were looking for was <laughs> subconscious mind. <laughs> you should give us multiple choice. <laughs> I suppose I could, but I, I, I'll, I'll make it. Uh, yeah, I'll give you some some choices here on the other side. I Obviously, that is very informative and important to know with understanding psychodynamic theory. But does it seem, does it ring true to say it, it does um, help us explore the subconscious? Yes, it does, Ryan. Very, very good. <laughs> so I'll make sure I am correct in asking that. All right. I am, by the way, Valerie, I'm really glad he asked you the question. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, I'll go ahead and throw one to you, Mom. Mom, no. do you know what percentage of the time the average person's mind wanders? No. <laughs> the answer to that. I'll give you I'll give you some I'll give you multiple choice on this. Because okay. you know it's a value. So the average amount of time, percentage that the average person's mind wanders. Is it 10% of the time? 30% of the time? 50% of the time? Or 2% of the time? Um, I'm gonna go on the high end. Those options again were two. 10, 30, 50. I'm going to shoot for 30. <gasps> ding, ding, ding. You got it. 30% Yay! of the time, our mind is often wandering. That rings very true for me. Mm-hmm. All uh, right. Well, this, we're done. <laughs> no, there's one more question. And this one, I think, is very fascinating. It might be a little bit more specific. Okay. But I'm curious if you know, to the record here, no person born blind has ever developed this mental health disorder. Could you guess what mental health disorder has never been diagnosed to a person who was born without sight? Can you give us a clue? It has to do with something they are possibly seeing or hearing. How about that, Valerie? Are we getting anywhere with this? Yeah, so then I, I might lean towards maybe schizophrenia. That's it. Schizophrenia. Wow. Yeah. Then be able to have the auditory or um, hallucinations in general. Yeah. You are. That's why you get. That's why you have the bigger degrees. <laughs> yeah. That's why she got all those letters after her name. <laughs> well, we still needed a clue, though, Julie. We still needed a clue. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I tap into resourcing here. Resource. Yeah. <laughs> Still Smart. very impressed that you could answer <laughs> these questions. And because you both did so well, you get to keep your degrees and continue practicing. So Thank congratulations. <laughs> that is always the award I noticed that you yeah, give out. Is that I do not report you to the board. I, I don't <laughs> ask them to revoke your license. <laughs> we got to come up with well it. I, I appreciate the idea that I, I'm not, not losing my license, but... Uh... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll mail you a sticker next time. <laughs> yeah, we get little, we'll just give out stickers for the right answers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Well, Valerie, uh, I hope you really enjoyed speaking to us, playing these games, and teaching us a lot about art therapy. You know, as the layperson and the one who got so much of this education, I want to say thank you. I really enjoyed hearing about it and hearing your passion for art therapy. Thank you so much. It was it was great to be here with both of you. I really enjoyed it and had a lot of fun, too. Absolutely. And thank you for expanding our knowledge and our understanding. I I love this curiosity that you're bringing in about like, hey, wondering what that what are you expressing or what are you noticing about yourself when you're going through this? Like you mentioned, my fairy gardens more than once now. So I've got Mm -hmm. I've never thought about them any other than I just enjoyed making them. Examine it. Yeah, there's something to it. Yeah, but thank you so much for all that and uh, for just giving us uh, your valuable time here. So appreciate Mm -hmm. that. You're welcome. It's great to be here. Well, you take care and best wishes Mm -hmm. to you as you continue to develop uh, uh, all these different ways of helping others. And I appreciate the 
opportunity to discover more about this group that you're going to put on. And um, please uh, pass that information on to us too once once you get that developed. So I will, will be happy to share that as well. Will do. Will do. Amazing. Thank you, Valerie. We hope you have a good day. Thank you. Bye now. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, kid. Well, mom. Always, I love your curiosity and your questions that you ask. And, Mm -hmm. you know, did this in any way bring up any questions for you uh, related to your own artwork? Um. Like I was just examining, you know, how you asked me what kind of medium I would use and Mm -hmm. knowing, like asking that question about like, I know I'm going to get frustrated with painting. Like I don't really have much experience doing that. And so, I mean, I've been reflecting on why I've chosen certain ways to make art Mm -hmm. when I have made something that's more of a visual art. And, um, you know, something else we didn't mention, but, you know, another thing that Brandon and I did pretty often was origami, another Mm -hmm. three-dimensional tactile Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting just knowing that I really enjoy those and those sensations are important to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's easier for me to get into than looking at a blank canvas and that intimidates me a little bit. You know, it's interesting because I think art has always played an important role in my life historically, my, my my way of kind of expressing emotions, but also just about being able to create something that I could actually create an end result in. I, I've said that mm-hmm. before, that sometimes it's just the idea that when other areas of my life are helpless and powerless, I can make something and there is an end result that I'm able to do. And I think there is something about that for me that's very concrete and uh, satisfying as well uh, in terms of being able to create. Absolutely. Yeah. To to have an end to it, to have something that comes out of it and is, you know, is that evidence that you're like, wow, I did this. <laughs> there was a process to it. And it's just very nice to have this thing that you can be proud of. Mm. To bring something to completion, especially when there's maybe a lot mm-hmm. of other things that are uncertain or unsettled mm-hmm. in our lives, it's nice to have something that we can bring uh, around and and finish, you know? Yeah. So. Yes. So audience, I uh, want to just encourage you also to just tap into your own creativity and ways that might help you express um your emotions or express things that you need to express. I know people do this in all kinds of forms. Uh, we're, yeah. we're not even, you know, we're talking about art therapy, but there's people that express themselves through poetry or mm-hmm. uh, through music or all those. Dance, uh, yeah. 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 This is, this is meant to stimulate maybe an interest in this, if, if this is something you're interested in. And so, you know, give it a shot. That's all we can do is like give everything a little shot. Maybe it works for us. Maybe it doesn't. If not, we'll mm-hmm. find the, the next thing that is the right fit. Well, I think too, if you find yourself kind of in a situation where you're 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 stuck, sometimes mm-hmm. changing uh, the approach to working through something might help you get unstuck. So mm-hmm. there's another another curiosity to go with. Yeah, amazing perspective, mother. Oh, thanks, honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for talking to me today, and. 
you know, as always, your insights and experience, the things that we can learn from you, appreciate. And I'll I'll just go ahead and say, great job on that trivia. I am I'm very impressed that you still <laughs> you did manage to get one of the questions right. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for uh, you know the multiple choice that always yes. helps. So <laughs> I did it for you. Yeah, in, in that one question, I did it for you. <laughs> Well, audience, I hope you enjoy our podcast for many reasons and that you uh, can take uh, uh, whatever you glean from this as an opportunity for your own growth. And we wish you all the very best. Hope you have a great week Mm -hmm. and uh, take care. Take care of yourselves, guys. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Therapy with My Mom. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can best support us by reviewing and downloading the episode on whatever platform you listen on. Tell your family and loved ones about the show, and don't forget to follow and engage with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Therapy with My Mom. You can also email us at therapywithmymom at gmail.com with any topic suggestions or stories you might want to have shared on the show. Great job, Ryan. Thanks, Mom. <laughs>